Philippians chapter 1, verse 1 through 11, and 18 through 30. Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are at Philippi with the overseers and deacons, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine, for all for you all make, making my prayer with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. And I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. It is right for me to feel this way about you all, because I hold you in my heart. For you are all partakers with me of grace, both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. For God is my witness how I yearn for you all with the affection of Christ Jesus. And it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment so that you may approve what is excellent, and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Picking up on verse 18. What then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed, and and in that I rejoice. Yes, I will rejoice, for I know that through your prayers and the help of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, this will turn out for my deliverance, as it is my eager expectation and hope that I will not be at all ashamed, but that with full courage, now, as always, Christ will be honored in my body, whether by life or by death. For to me to live is Christ, Christ, and to die is gain. If I am to live in the flesh, that means fruitful labor for me, yet which I shall choose I cannot tell. I am hard-pressed between the two. My desire is to depart and be with Christ. That is far better. But to remain in the flesh is more necessary on your account. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain and continue with you all for your progress and joy in the faith, so that in me you may have ample cause to to glory in Christ Jesus because of my coming to you again. Only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you or am absent, I may hear of you that you are standing firm in one spirit, with one mind, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel, and not frightened in anything by your opponents. This is a clear sign to them of their destruction, but of your salvation and that from God. For it has been granted to you that for, your, for the sake of Christ, you should not only believe in him, but also suffer for his sake, engaged in the same conflict that you saw I had, and now here that I still have. This is the word of our Lord. Please be seated. Good morning. Welcome here this morning. As we heard this morning already, there are um, in our communities, whether it's in Port Alberni or in Portugal, there's um, a, cr- a crisis of uh, morals, spiritual warfare, um, truth. Um, people that deal with children, that have children, teachers, 
we know they are even more severely affected um, because the background uh, that they have, that they live in now, is different than when we lived as, as uh, young people. Christianity was more acceptable. Today, it's uh, an oddity. And so, when Pastor Linus said to talk about what is on my heart, God led me to this passage of Philippians 1 that um, Chris just uh, read so well. And uh, hopefully, already have uh, obtained some wisdom in just uh, listening to God's word. Um, in, in the time and society we live, uh, personal expression is uh, paramount. Truth is optional. And post-modernity makes a claim that there is no truth, no meaning, and no certainty, and that all claims to the spoken word or the written truth are subject to interpretation of the receiver. In short, it means whatever is true for you is, is okay. It's true for you. Uh, my truth might be different than yours. But we know that there is uh, ultimate truth. And for us as a community of believers, um, we are uh, local and, and worldwide, but it's our responsibility as believers and as a church to stand for the truth and uh, tell the truth as well as show love as we do so. Winston Churchill once said that the most valuable thing in the world is truth, but he also said that it, uh, it seems to be uh, constantly protected by a bodyguard of lies, and that's what we often deal with. And truth is such a valuable commodity, you would think everyone would look for that, but uh, firstly, people are too lazy to find it, uh, they get taught at schools, at universities, things that are not truthful. They accept it as the truth, and they don't bother looking into it further. Uh, also, some of the truth that they know might come from, a, from the biblical truth as, as uncomfortable and might change their lifestyle, so they prefer not to know that truth. Jesus even tried to tell uh, Pilate what is truth, but he didn't want to hear it. Um, at Jesus' hearing under Pilate, uh, Jesus said to him, Everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. And Pilate said to him, What is truth? Which is a very significant question. Except for, we read in the next verse, he said, After he had said this, he went back outside to the Jews. So he had the real question, but him too didn't want to know the answer. If we know the truth, it has consequences, and that might change your life. And like Pilate, many people are not ready for the truth. In spite of that, as a body of believers, it is our responsibility to find the truth and to share the truth. Our focus needs to be firstly on Jesus, but we also, like it says in our mission statement, our passion should be to love those around us, and the, and the community where God placed us, to walk with Christ in a way that uh, people will uh, be attracted to, to Christ and to share the truth with them. In John 8, 31, it says, So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him, If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. That's a significant statement of everyone talks about freedom and rights and freedom, but if you truly want to be free, 
there is a source. That's the Bible and the Holy Spirit. Paul wrote this letter to a, a small group of believers in the city of Philippi. Um, and uh, this was a, a community in Macedonia. And it uh, was in a fertile valley with um, gold and, and silver mines nearby. So a wealthy community on the Via Ignatia, which is like the highway of the time. It was called the City of Fountains and named uh, and, uh, later named after Philip II, who was a king in Macedonia and also the father of Alexander the Great. There was no synagogue in this town and they were, because there were hardly any Jews. So Paul met Lydia, that we hear about a few times in the Bible, who was a seller of um, purple materials, which is like high-end stuff, but he met her a few kilometers out of the city of Philippi along a creek, and then they started meeting the believers just at this, this place without having a formal building. Paul addresses all the Christians in the city, as he says uh, in uh, some versions, bond service, and other ones, the saints, and he also specifically mentions um, the overseers and deacons, or uh, deacons and elders, as uh, to remind them that they have a special responsibility to search the truth, to know the truth, and to teach the truth. Uh, Paul is also accompanied by Timothy, who is his um, son in, in Christ. He calls him my true faith, my true child in the faith. And Paul's letter to the Philippians has a joyful tone, uh, and he likes to share that with them, and, uh, and he gets that from the grace and the peace from Jesus. In verse 2 it says, Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. And Paul was very grateful to this group of believers uh, because they know Jesus and supported him in prison and that they're also with him, busy with kingdom work, serving the community around them. And he was also actively uh, keeping them in prayer uh, for their relationship with Jesus and doing their ministry. And it's, for us too, it's our privilege and our responsibility to pray for those we minister to, reach out to, but also for those that minister to us. In verse 6, there's a, a very significant promise. It reads, I'm sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. And that is a very significant um, statement, and um, I looked into it, uh, other commentaries too, but the sense is that when God began a work in our hearts, he would take it to completion. Uh, before the day of your death or Jesus comes, and this is part of this process of sanctification, which means to be made holy. And it's just an ongoing um, process of you walking with Jesus, studying his word, allowing the Holy Spirit to change you. And um, it would be complete one day when we go to heaven. And it talks about Paul's intense longing or yearning for the people of Philippi. He doesn't just casually give them information. 
he has a deep love for them, and he wants them to share in that and to grow as, as into their love and their ministry of, of Jesus. We read in 1 Timothy 2, 3-5, This is good, and it's pleasing in the sight of God our Savior, who desires all people to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. For there is one God and one mediator between God and man, the man Jesus Christ, who gave himself as a ransom for all, which is a testimony given at the proper time. And this message is very offensive in our, in our day to tell someone there's only one way to get to God, and that's through Jesus Christ. But unfortunately, unless they, they know that truth, they will not be saved. And uh, so it's part of our mission to under, have people understand the truth and to come to a saving knowledge of Jesus. So the question comes, do you have such a yearning for the salvation and for the sanctification of the people that you love and the, and the people in our community and abroad. So I think the theme of this passage is, comes down to Paul's intense longing for salvation, knowledge of the truth, and a relationship with the Philipp- Philippians with Jesus. It's been said that the church is not a dormitory, but a workshop. It's a place where people are shaped and prepared to the, do the work of Christ. And and the Bible tells us that too. It says in Ephesians 2 verse 10, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So God puts you in position to do these works, and it's a matter of whether you're obedient to follow through when you present it with an opportunity. In verse 9 to 11, it reads, And this is my prayer that your love may abound more and more, with knowledge and all discernment, so that you may approve what is excellent and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. So Paul again prays here that they should not just have love, but their love should be improving, um, increasing. And then he also has that other part, we had that already today from the pulpit, um, knowledge, and the other thing was discernment. It's impossible to, to um, make good judgments, good decisions, unless you have the truth. And um, when you have the truth, you have the basis of making good judgments. And he says to approve what is excellent. We sometimes can do things that are okay. It might be good, but it might not be the best thing. And Jesus wants us to make decisions that are the best. And that way, um, you can be pure and blameless in the day of Christ. And that talks again about not just actions, but also character. And this process of sanctification will change our character to be more Christ-like. And then, when we get to that, we will be full with the fruit of righteousness and be able to uh, glorify and praise God. Well, we talk about knowledge, but we know that Love is very important and, and critical, even if we reach out to the people around us. Often, people say Christians are known for saying no. We don't do that, we don't do that, we don't do that. They should really be able to say that they know us for the things that we stand for, that are yes. Um, and 
I'll just remind you what, what love looks like if, when we read in Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 13 and uh, reflect on this. Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It's not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It's not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things, and then love never ends. So for us to be a, a, a force in the community, we need love. We can't reach anyone um, just giving them truth, confronting them with uh, truth different than which they know without sharing um, or for them, without them um, feeling that we love them and care for them. And um, at, it's an inspiration to us that we can live lives that can bring glory to God. And uh, it, it should be an aspiration for us individually and for the people around us to be able to help them to do that. And then we talk about wisdom, and there's very interesting, the, the Bible is very clear, there, there are clearly two types of wisdom, the wisdom we see every day in the world and what it leads to, and the wisdom from God. In James 3:13 uh, to 17, it says, Who is wise and understanding among you? By his good conduct, let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast and be false to the truth. This is not the wisdom that comes from above, but it's earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. For, for where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder in every vile practice. Now, we're very familiar with that. But the wisdom from above is very different. This is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy, good fruits, impartial, and sincere. Now, clearly, that's more than what we want to uh, be seen in our lives. I know that we still have the old nature, and it still tends to flip to the wrong kind of wisdom, the wrong kind of uh, decisions. So what would your character be like if it's filled with righteousness? And again, the Bible helps us out. In Galatians 5.22, it says, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Again, those are beautiful things to aspire to. And I wish they were true in my life, at least most of the time. <laughs> so then Paul turns to his personal relationship with Jesus in verses 12 to 18, which we skip. He just encourages the saint in spite of his imprisonment and the people to try to um, steal his ministry, he's still encouraged because God is ultimately in charge and he was emboldened even by his imprisonment to know that uh, whatever happens to him, would, uh, he would proclaim the gospel and God will be honored. Um, we too can have this confidence in Jesus and uh, because he says that his confidence is not in himself, but in Jesus and the Holy Spirit and in the prayers of the saints. In verse 19 to 21, 
we read, Yes, and I will rejoice, for I know that through your prayers and the help of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, this will turn out for my deliverance, as it is my eager expectation and hope that I will not be ashamed, but that with full courage, now as always, Christ will be honored in my body, whether by life or death, for me to live as Christ and to die as gain. Especially that last part, what a, what a wonderful statement that Paul makes here. And um, how great it will be if that is uh, you know, our motto in life, for me to love as Christ. He's not intimidated because he knows who he puts his trust in. And Galatians 2, verse 20 says, I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. So Christ has purchased us with his precious blood. Our lives do not belong to ourselves. Although we are inclined to be selfish and self-centered, it is, um, we should live our lives moment by moment to honor Jesus. And I pray that for me and, my, and for you, that will be true. I recently read a book um, by John Burke called Imagine Heaven, which the author describes uh, the experience of people that have died and nearly died and came back into their bodies and uh, experienced um, Jesus and heaven. I was very um, wary about reading this book, but it, it was really um, opened my eyes to, to know how close Jesus is and heaven is. And um, just in our fleshly human bodies, we are unable to see Jesus, but he's, he's around. <laughs> and when we get our new bodies one day, uh, new eyes will see that he's always been right here with us. And Paul is trying to tell us here that life is short and we should make it count for Jesus. And heaven is long and wonderful and way better than this life. But hell is even we're as, as just as long and very bad. And further in the book, Imagine Heaven, um, a lot of the people that, that experienced Jesus and they just had this sense of uh, overwhelming love and acceptance. But the one question that Jesus asked for a lot of these people really struck a chord with me and had me think about it. And he asked them, what have you done with the life I've given you? And that's a question that keeps on coming up in my mind. How would I answer Jesus when I see him? Is he going to say, well done, good and faithful servant, or say, shame on you? So it's a motivation for me to re review how I live my life. God has blessed us all very, very much in salvation and uh, accepting us as his children. But he's put you and me, each one, in a very special uh, environment and a place in a family and a community. And uh, it's our responsibility to share the truth in love. In verse 22 to 27, um, Paul says he prefers to be in heaven, but he, he accepts his responsibility to minister to the saints, and he will do it with joy. Um, and it, so that the saints can also experience the glory of Christ. And uh, that's also what should be our uh, purpose. If Jesus keeps us on earth, we need to minister to help people see Christ and glorify Christ. But also told them that with privilege comes responsibility and trouble will come. Verse 
29 to 30 says, For it has been granted to you for the sake of Christ, that you should not only believe in him, but also suffer for his sake, engage in the same conflict that you saw I had, and now hear that I still have. If we stand for Jesus, we will have um, op opposition, and we will suffer. If you don't experience any suffering or any opposition, you probably should look at your life again, because if we stand for Jesus, you will. And the truth of the Bible will be challenged and ridiculed, and we will be vilified, but um, it's not new. And Ephesians 6.12 says, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against authorities, against cosmic powers, over this present darkness, against spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Our battle might seem as against people, colleagues, organizations, but it it's, it's against the evil one and against the spiritual forces. Sometimes we get offended by individuals and might have uh, antagonism by them, uh, against them. But Jesus also died for them. And we need to show them love in spite of who they are and what they say. Because they are just being used by the evil one. And... Um, in verse 27, 28, Paul brings it all together and encourages saints to live lives that's worthy of the gospel and not to be deterred by opponents, but to work lovingly side by side. And um, it shows that when we are confident, work together, that um, the opposition will realize that they are defeated. And it reminded me of... Um, oxen in a team you know, pulling on the yokes. If they pull different places up a steep hill, they're not going to make, make it. But if they all lean into and pull hard, they will be successful. Jesus prays to the Father in John 17, 22 to 23. He says, The glory that you have given me, I have given to them, that they may be one, even as we are one. In them and you in me that they may become perfectly one, so the world may know that you have sent me and love them even as you love me. So that's how the world will know that we belong to Jesus when we become one in spirit and purpose. 1 John 4 says, 4 says, Little children, you are from God, and overcome them. For he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. So when we face opposition and the evil forces, we can be rest assured that, that the force of Jesus is way stronger than any force we encounter. Remember even David and Goliath. So Paul senses his work on earth is not done, but he's praying and yearning for, for the uh, people of Philippi to know God and walk with God. And this yearning... As again, should be something that we share with, with Paul. 1 Peter 3.13 says, Now, who is there to harm you if you are zealous for what is good? But even if you should suffer for righteous sake, you will be blessed. Have no fear of them, nor be troubled, but in your hearts honor Christ, the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you and do it with gentleness and respect. 
So firstly, we have to be zealous for doing good, being able to suffer for righteousness and that other people see in the way we endure suffering. And when they then, and, and making God holy in our lives, and if people then see that in spite of what we're living through, we, we have a hope, then they might ask us for what is the hope that you have? And then we can share this hope in gentleness and respect and love. Ephesians 4.11 goes further and it says, I, have given, I gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ until we attain, all attain to the unity of faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried, out, carried about by their very every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes, rather speaking the truth and love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ, from whom the whole body joined together by every joint with which is, it is equipped, and each part is working properly, makes the body grow and builds itself up in love. So that's what we are as a group of believers. We have leaders to help us not just to entertain us on a Sunday morning, but the main thing is to equip the saints to the building up of the body by the knowledge of Jesus Christ to become mature in the walk with him so that we are not distracted by the deceitful, um, cunning um, information and uh, trends in the world. Um, and then we can speak truth in love. So I believe the message here, again, come back to this all the time, that we need to seek the truth and share the truth in love. And that each of us should get this, like Gerard talked about, the unction of God, like a passion to do that, to reach people as well as um, to, for their salvation and growth in Jesus Christ. And then our mission statement also uh, confirms that. It says, we seek to passionately proclaim the glory of God in Christ Jesus for the joy of all people. Let's pray. Dear Lord, we just thank you for this wonderful opportunity to sit here amongst uh, fellow brothers and sisters, that you have chosen to be your children. Dear Lord, you have placed us in a difficult uh, community where there's brokenness and evil. And dear Lord, our children are exposed to that as well. Help us, dear Lord, to, uh, to not just know the truth, but to search for a, for a deeper relationship with you. And dear Lord, as, we, as you bring us deeper and closer to you, Help us to be able to help those around us to, have, uh, to know you and also become closer and, and deeper, with a deeper relationship to you and that in everything we'll be able to glorify you. And as Connie said, as we walk out here in our community, we pray, dear Lord, that this will be true for us as we minister to those that still don't know you. In your name we pray. Amen.